Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like him. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? Doing okay today? Thanks for showing up today on a spring break Sunday. We're glad you're here. It means you're not out of town. So thanks for not being out of town yet, um, but we're glad you're here with us. Thanks for watching with us online if you're there with us as well. If you're out of town, we're glad you're here. My name is Alan, and I'm not normally the guy up here. So if you are a first-time guest, I'm not normally the one that preaches. Pastor Bobby is off today, and so if you'd rather hear him, you can go back on our YouTube page and see him preach and then get ready for him next Sunday, and he'll be back with us next Sunday. But if you can give us about 30 minutes of your time today, that would be great to kind of walk through this series. We have been in a series you just saw on video called I Am, and we have been walking through the book of John um, and kind of figuring out these statements. There's seven times in the book of John that Jesus says, I am, and then he says something about himself uh, in the book of John. And so we've been walking through these. We've been through three weeks so far, and we're going to continue today all the way up until Easter. So in the book of John, if you're not familiar with the Bible and stuff, which is cool, we, we want people who may, may not be familiar, familiar with the Bible yet. Um, the book of John is found in the New Testament, and it's the last book of the four Gospels. These four books kind of all tell the life of Jesus. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell it a very kind of eyewitness account, um, very much the narrative, the history of what Jesus did. Um, and then John comes along and kind of writes it from just a little bit different perspective um, and kind of tries to tell you who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so he writes it from that perspective. And so we've been walking through the book of John. And each, each time that he has one of these I am statements, that is usually precluded by, he's already done a major miracle. So he does a major miracle in the scriptures, and then he tells somebody, this is who I am. And so we've been walking through that. He fed the 5,000, and then he said, I am the bread of life. And so that happened in week one. Then we talked about him being the light of the world. And then last week, Pastor Bobby talked about him being the door or the gate to where the sheep come in. And so he's the access to it. In fact, last week, Pastor Bobby talked a lot about how Jesus is exclusively the way for us to, to get to God. And he kind of finished the, the talk off with us living day in and day out, being able to go in and out of that gate and living our lives day in, day out with Jesus. And today we're going to spend more time on that topic because our I am statement comes from the same chapter. So we're going to be in the book of John chapter 10. So if you want to open up your phones and pull it up or grab your Bible, if you have your Bible with you and open up, the verses will be on the screen if you don't have any of that. Um, But we will be kind of walking through John chapter 10 verses 10 through 18. But John chapter 10 verse 10, if you've been around journey any length of time, we've talked about this verse quite a lot. Um, It's one of our kind of go-to favorite verses. So we're going to read it together, and we're going to walk through this all together, all right? So John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, a full life. In fact, other translations say an abundant life. We just sang a song about being abundantly more. Other translations say a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says, having everything that they need. That's the kind of life Jesus wants to offer. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God has come, Jesus has come, that we can have life and have life to the fullest, have everything that we need. And that phrase, everything that we need, is going to kind of show up a little bit later in the verses we're going to walk through 
towards the end of this talk. But the I am today comes from John chapter 10, verse 11, and it says this. It says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's a great verse. I am a good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, we're going to kind of start today with the last word in that verse. And that, ver- and that word is what? Sheep. Because the truth is, we are a lot like sheep. If you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard that statement, that the people, us humans, are a lot like sheep. And in fact, they'll say, what do, we, what do you kind of know about sheep? Are sheep the brightest animals on the planet? The answer is no, they're not the brightest planet, uh, animals on the planet. But we're going to talk a little bit, dive a little bit deeper because I think if we understood some things about the sheep, then we would kind of uh, understand more about who God is and why he is a good shepherd. But I think for us, we've got to understand more about sheep. So um, anybody in the room, a shepherd? Good. The first service didn't have any shepherds either. Yep, I'm not a shepherd either. In fact, I pretty much don't like to get my hands dirty unless I'm cutting the grass and maybe playing some sports, but that's about it. So I don't know anything much about sheep or shepherding, but I read a book. I read a book about it. And I think that's important. And so uh, I read a book. I'll tell you about it later, or actually I'll uh, uh, put it out there later. Um, but it's by a guy who's named Philip Keller. And uh, he was a pastor. He wrote the book in 1970. Who's willing to admit they were born before 1970? You don't have to, but some of us are I'm not, I wasn't born for 1970, but you can be proud of it. You should be proud if you have been. Um, but 1970, wrote a book. He was a pastor who was actually a shepherd um, in Africa. And so it's kind of a really cool book um, that I read to kind of give us a lot of understanding. So we're going to talk a lot of today about understanding more about sheep so that we kind of get what's going on. So here's some stuff about sheep that I didn't know, um, necessarily know a lot about, but here's, I think it's important for us to, to know. Um, Uh, Here's they are. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. Did you know that? Sheep cannot take care of themselves. They require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. Sounds like my kids. Anybody else got kids? Yep. Endless attention and meticulous care. Sheep want green grass, fresh water, shade, safety, and relief from their wounds or bruises or disease or parasites. So sheep want a lot of things. Maybe like some of our spouses, right? Maybe? No? Okay, but I didn't say that joke in the first service. I won't say it in the third service either. Y'all, the only ones are getting that one because you didn't think it was funny. Um, (laughs) Sheep don't like being alone. Anybody not like not don't like being alone? Gotta have somebody with you. Sheep are very communal animals. Um, Sheep need to be free of all fear before they will lay down. Sheep sheep need to uh, be free from finding food. They don't don't have to search for it. They're in front of them, right? They want to be free from friction with other sheep. Um, They want a sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. Sounds a lot, right? Sounds a lot like us, though, too, correct? Yeah? Free, I'd like to be free of all those things, fear, tension, aggravations, hunger. But the truth is, just the shepherd's presence can relieve a lot of those fears for a sheep. Just their presence. Biologically, 
Their, uh, their eyesight has a wide range. So I guess they don't need glasses. They have great peripheral vision. Um, they have very, very sensitive hearing. And because of that, they run when they get scared. So they definitely have a flight instead of fight reaction. And when sheep are thirsty, they become restless and will set out for the search for water. They would rather find water from dew, like the morning dew, in wells or in springs, but they will get water wherever they can, and that's where they can get in trouble. And they are followers, so they actually need a shepherd. And you want to know why they need a shepherd? Let's check out this video. So this little sheep got himself caught in a crack in the land, and this young shepherd boy is trying to get him out. We would have volume, but they speak in language I don't know. So I didn't know what they said in this. We'd be careful. But here he is trying to get his sheep out of the crack. There he comes. There he goes. And there he goes <laughs> again. And if you think, if you think that's uh, just, uh, that's, that's rare. That doesn't happen very often. Here's video number two. So this shepherd got his sheep out of the mud into that great green pasture of grass for him to feed and live life. And what does he do? Yep. Yep. Now let's be honest. How many of us probably would have done the same thing, right? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So it's funny. I thought those were great videos. I saw them a while back. But isn't that, isn't that us sometimes? I mean, isn't that we need someone to get us out of, God gets us out of the trap, gets us out of the trouble, and then we just jump right back in. I mean, almost like, Thanks, God. I got it from here. Just kidding. I didn't get it from here. I, I need your help again, right? And we call out to him, and he helps us, and we think we can do this life on our own, but every time we just end up right back in a situation like that, we are like sheep. You know, I think it's, um, it's, it, it's important for us to understand this. A couple years ago, um, in fact, two years ago, right in the middle, of, right when COVID had kind of just hit, and we were all stuck at home, and those of us parents with small children had to become teachers, right? Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter. Um, She was five then. Um, She kind of came up to me um, while I was doing some work from home, and she was doing some schoolwork, and she walked up to me, and she said, Dad, how do you spell don't? I was like, okay, D-O-N apostrophe T, okay? And she runs off, and she goes and scribbles and does what she does, and she walks back a couple minutes later. She goes, Dad, how do you spell need? Okay, N-E-E-D, need. She runs off and she goes and scribbles it down. And then dad comes back to me a few months later. Dad, how do you spell help? So I spell H-E-L-P and scroll down. She goes and she scribbles it down. And then a few minutes later, she comes and brings me this piece of paper. And here's what it says. It says, I don't need help. <laughs> that's her picture. That's her handwriting. All the words I spelled except for I. She got I down, right? We got the selfish I down. But every other word needed my help. 
But again, isn't that us with God sometimes? We feel like we got this. I don't need help. And then we're stuck right in the middle of all this craziness. So I think it's important for us to understand, to have self-awareness. Anybody, would you, would you think you have self-awareness? We talk about to our staff and people all the time. It's very important for us to have self-awareness, to know who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you lead, how you learn, how you grow, how you rest, all kinds of things about self-awareness. And I think it's important for us to understand sheep so that we have self-awareness so that in contrast, we can see how good God is and how good of a shepherd he really is for us. When we really realize, when that's a lot of reallys, when we realize how good God is to us, it makes a big difference. So we're going to kind of walk along in these verses to understand more of who God is and what he's doing and what he desires to do for us because he wants to take care of us. He wants to do these things for us. He's not doing it out of frustration. He's doing it because he wants to be in relationship with us. We're going to continue reading John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Here's what it says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And here's Jesus again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I think it's important for us for a few moments just to talk about the word good, that he is a good shepherd. He wants to take care of his children. He wants to take care of his sheep. Uh, Sometimes up here on stage, we sing a song called The Goodness of God. Maybe you've heard it or listened to it on your own. Such a great song. In fact, all the songs we sang this morning had bits and pieces of this message in it already. That God wants to take care of us, that he's good to us, that he lays down his life for us. He is a good shepherd. And it's not just because of the actions that he does. It's in his character. It's who he is. It's what he desires to do. But a good shepherd wants to do multiple things for us. He wants to direct us. He wants to give us direction. We think we can find our direction on our own. But God says, no, 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 let me direct you. That, that, those shepherds got those sheep out of a bad place and tried to put them on the right direction. And all they did was turn around and jump right back in. But he wants to direct. A good shepherd directs his sheep where to go, where to find the green pastures, where to find the water, where to find safety and comfort. That's what a good shepherd does. Not only does he direct us, a good shepherd protects us. He wants to protect his flock. In this verses, it says that the, wolf, the wolves come and scatter the flock. Earlier in verse 10, it said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In a sheep's life, predators are constantly after sheep. And that's not, not, they not only have to worry about sheep, they have to worry about natural disasters. They have to worry about other insects. They have to worry about other animals. They worry about things that are constantly after them. But a good shepherd protects his sheep from those things. And then sometimes the good shepherd corrects. And sometimes we need correction in our lives for the good shepherd to do for us, to get us out of the situation, to point us in the right direction. As we'll see in a few minutes from a chapter in the Old Testament, he does certain things to correct us and to protect us and to direct us. And so it's important for us to understand what the good shepherd does 
to do these things. And it's also important to understand how a hired hand wouldn't do those things. And what makes a good shepherd is knowing what a bad shepherd does. So how many of you have ever rented a car? Have ever rented a car? There's a lot of rental cars around town right now, if you didn't notice already. And most of us, be honest, probably the guys, maybe more than anybody else, how many of you treated that rental car well? Right? Do you care about that car? No, you gun it, you go crazy with it, you just, right? Um, it, it just happens. That's what happens to these cars. My buddy works across the street from the masters and all they do is valet cars. And when they know it's just a little rental car, they like go crazy in it. They, they have to go over uh, railroad tracks. And so they make sure they don't slow down for those railroad tracks, right? When, when you don't own something, when it's not yours, you don't care. But Jesus is saying, look, I care. These are my sheep. I will lay down my life for these sheep and these sheep know me. You see the relationship there. You see the desire to want to take care of you. That's what God has for us. That's who Jesus is for us. It's important for us. And all of that is really a a sign and a symbol of what Jesus is ultimately going to do. So not only when he says he's going to lay down his life for the sheep, he's really going to lay down his life for the sheep. He's going to die for us and for our sin and for our shame to put us in a right, right relationship with him. He's going ahead and telling us now in John 10 what happens later on in, John, in the book of John where he lays down his life. In fact, when he's standing before Pilate, getting ready to be crucified, Pilate says, don't you know I have all the power? And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't have any power that God didn't give you. And I'm willing to lay my life down. Jesus didn't lay his life down begrudgingly. He didn't lay down his life because he had to. He, he laid down his life because he got to, because he wanted to be in relationship with us. So you have to remember, we have a good shepherd. So important for us to see that. So in seeing this willingness to lay down his life for us, we really got to understand more and more the idea of the sheep and the shepherd. And there's a great Old Testament chapter. So we're going to flip in our Bibles to the Old Testament to Psalm chapter 23. And maybe if you've been church, you've heard this chapter quite a bit, but we're going to walk through it verse by verse, because the book I was telling you about earlier just took a shepherd's view of Psalm 23 to help us understand more and more the day in, day out intricacies of what Jesus did for us and what a shepherd, what a good shepherd does for his sheep. And so David, King David, as we would know him, started off as shepherd boy David, right? If you know any of the story in the Old Testament, David was tending sheep while his dad was showing off all of his brothers to Samuel the prophet to see who was going to be the next king. And Samuel basically says, look, none of these guys are it. Do you have any more sons? And we said, yeah, I got one young, the youngest one. He's out tending the sheep. He says, well, bring him here. And God anoints David king of Israel in that moment. And so David has this understanding of what a shepherd does and what sheep are that when we read these verses, we can have a much better understanding of our relationship with the shepherd as his sheep. So we're going to walk through Psalm chapter 23, verse by verse. So if you have your Bible, you can look at it. It'll be on the screens with us, and we'll go from there. So Psalm 23, verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, right from the beginning, off to the get-go, David is identifying who his shepherd is. He wants to be identified as the Lord's sheep. He's my shepherd. Nobody else. Last week, the door, 
Pastor Bobby, the exclusivity of who Jesus is, David here is going, I want to be known as God's. That's the identity I want. He, he is the shepherd I want, to be follow, I want to follow. He is the shepherd that I want to protect me, to direct me, to correct me. He's ta- he is that. For you today, have you made that decision? Have you said, I want the Lord to be my shepherd? I want him to direct my life. I believe he's good enough and his goodness is good enough to me that I want to be followed by him. I want to follow him. Have you said that? And then he says, I have all that I want. Other translations say, I have all that I need. Again, we sang about that, having all that we need this morning. We lack nothing. When Jesus is our good shepherd, we trust that we have all that we need. We lack nothing. Can you say you have all that you want? I know this week specifically here in our town can make it hard to be saying, oh, I have all that I want. Right now, I went from driving an old Jeep to a brand new Mercedes. Mm-hmm. That's nice, right? Now, I work at a church. Um, ain't no way we're affording a brand new $120,000 Mercedes. But it's nice to drive for a week, but it'll start messing with your wants. With your desires, you may see people and see things this week like, oh, this is big houses, nice cars, new, all these people, the masters, all this stuff. I, I got to go into the pro shop yesterday. There was a lot of wanting going on yesterday and for the rest of this week. But can we say, I have all that I want? I lack nothing? When Jesus is our shepherd, we can say those things. We know he will give us exactly what we need. And he'll give us exactly what we want. Verse two says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. As a good shepherd, we can trust that God will take us where we need to go. That he'll make us lie down. The fact is sheep won't lie down. They won't rest until they know all of their fears are taken away, that all the things are taken care of. And so a good shepherd, David here saying, I know he's a good shepherd because he gives, he makes me lie down. He gives me all the things that I need to be protected to help me, to be there for me. He, he offers all of those things. So will you trust Jesus like David is trusting here? He says, he leads me beside still waters. Jesus knows how thirsty we will get. There will be thirsts in this life that we think we need more than the still waters that God offers when we feel like we don't have those things, we'll go chasing them in all other different directions of stuff that we may want or think we need. But Jesus is saying, David's telling us here that Jesus offers us these still waters, this peace that comes. It's refreshing to know that it's easy drinking in these kinds of places that God offers us as a good shepherd. Verse three, he says this, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, today we're going to talk about the word, this phrase, he restores my soul. So as a she- as sheep, one of the things they do is when they're looking for places to rest or they're looking for um, places to find water, um, they will fall and they will fall over and they will flip over. And what that's called is being cast. In fact, David would also say other, in other Psalms that he has become downcast himself. But this is what a cast sheep looks like, all right? Over on his back and can't do anything about it. Cannot get himself back over. 
He needs a shepherd to come and flip him back over. The truth is, if he stays like this for hours, maybe hours, he would die. Or especially in days, he would die. Maybe some of us today in here feel cast. Feel like you can't get anything right. Feel like if something doesn't happen, I'm just going to die. Maybe, maybe there's something going on in life that you need a shepherd to come over and flip you over. Now, again, a good shepherd, a great shepherd is in constant lookout for sheep like this because cast sheep like that are easy for predators to take care of. Predators are looking for it. In fact, a good shepherd would be looking into the sky and paying attention that if he sees any birds flying around in circles, there's a good chance that there's a cast sheep somewhere in his flock that he needs to make sure he gets over to and flips them over. When David here says he restores my soul, he's being reminded that God will take care of him in these tough moments, in these cast moments. And to me, one of my favorite verses in this, in this chapter is verse four. He says this, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When David here says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's reminding us that as real Christians who live in the real world, the shadows of death show up, that we still have to walk through them. This is what I love about our church and the way we try to explain and talk about things. We don't think that just because we become a Christian and we try to become obedient to what God calls us to do, that life becomes easy that no more problems show up. We don't have, we understand that life comes at us, things come at us, our own sin comes at us, but at the same time that life just can hit and we have to walk through a valley of the shadow of death. Now reminders, there's shadows, it's a shadow of death. And the next little part is great. It says, you're with me. So as a church, we would never be one that says, hey, you know what? You'll never go through hard stuff again. Never tell you that. But what I can tell you is, There's one who walks with you. There's one who's present with you in those dark times. So I can promise you that, that as a Christian, the shepherd walks with you through dark, hard times. But I can't promise you that those hard times won't come. Now, the next part of this verse is cool too. It says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, to be honest, first time I ever read this, I didn't think a rod and staff were anything that were comfortable or comforting right? Think of those things as being uh, not comfortable, uncomfortable, right? So a rod and staff, let's talk about those kinds of things. A shepherd would have a rod and a staff. A rod, as you can see in the picture, is a relatively short, heavy, club-like device. A shepherd would keep a rod. He'd actually, most of the time, make it himself to fit him perfectly. And it's a device that he would use as power, as strength, as protection, Right? It was basically an extension of his right arm. He would use it to hit, to defend his flock. He would throw it if he needed to, um, to keep away predators. The rod was a big deal. The rod was protection. Now, in the New Testament, sometimes it talks about swords. And in fact, the sword being God's word. I think God is showing us that the rod is his, his word, his rod doing that. And so... We see him protecting us. We see him having that extension of his right arm, having that rod. 
And so we want to see God take care of us to see that. The other, other image is that of a staff. Now, this is what you would know most shepherds by, right? If you grew up in church, you may have been in the little pageants and then the little musicals, and they had the shepherds up there, and they all had a little staff going. And you may actually know the curve of it more than anything else. And that cur- curve is important. It's where, they, it's where they get animals out of trouble. But I think the highlight for today is actually the other end of the staff. Because the other end of the staff is what they would use just to keep tabs on the animals and just to let the sheep know that the shepherd's there, that he's walking with them. It'll guide them. Hey, I need you to go this way. Just, just a little push, just a little direction, right? The shepherd directs his sheep. He's not having to yank them by, by the hook. He's just guiding them with the, the other end of the staff. This is a sign of the Holy Spirit walking in your life. As a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit to guide you, to nudge you, to tell you this is the way you should go and this is what you should be doing. The shepherd was way more wanting to use that end of his staff than the other one. So that we can see how the rod and the staff, they comfort the sheep. Verse five tells us this. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Again, one of the first times I hear this verse, think of a big old table set out in front of me with lots of good food that I want to eat on it, right? All meats and and potatoes, no vegetables. That's it for me. So a big old table, but that's not really what the verse is talking about here. The verse is talking about um, a table was a part of the mountain where the greenest grass was, the best pasture was, and the shepherd would lead the sheep to this table of pasture, of land, of green grass. And he says, you'll lead me and you'll set up a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the one thing about this table was that there were still enemies in this land. There would be parts of the grass and the foliage, the weeds, that if the sheep ate it, They would get sick and they would hurt them. So the shepherd had to go and prepare that land. He knew he was getting his sheep there. They were on a journey. He would go and prepare that land for them to pull the weeds, to pull pull the bad stuff out so that the sheep wouldn't eat it. He was prepping the table. He was prepping the land for his sheep. That's how good of a shepherd we have. The next part says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, even in this green pasture, there were still bugs and flies and all this kinds of stuff. And so the the shepherd would have to, at times, anoint the sheep's head with oil. That was to keep, for the most part, sheep dealt with a lot of these nasal flies, these flies that would get into their nose, that would lay eggs and do all kinds of damage, just, just could really hurt the sheep if they weren't constantly cared for and taken care of. And so the sheep would, or the shepherd would anoint their heads with oil to keep these flies away. The shepherd would also anoint the head of rams in his flock because the rams, even in this great green pasture, would start having tension with other rams and other sheep, and they would start butting heads. And the oil would keep them from being so, not, not being able to hurt them so much to kind of keep that, oh, just brush off kind of moment. And so here the shepherd is taking care of his sheep, knows all the little intricacies, taking care of them. And then he says, and my cup overflows. The shepherd would actually carry with him a cup as well that had ointments and different stuff in it. Or any times the sheep had to deal with the parasites, the bugs, the bruises, just the things that happen while you're out in the nature of land. 
And this cup overflows line sounds good because it reminds us of John 10, 10 that says that he gives us a life and a life abundantly. That's an overflowing kind of life. That's what the shepherd wants to offer us. And then finally in verse six, he says this, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, again, coming up, finishing up this chapter, David knows what this is all about as a king, as a shepherd, and even as a sheep, that surely goodness and mercy are following me. Look how good this shepherd has taken care of me. Look how good he's taken care of my life. I have all that I need. I don't want anything. And not only does he realize this about his life, he's able to take care of this for the future as well and those he interacts with. Because good shepherding and good sheep will actually leave the land that they've been on, the pastures they've been on, they'll leave them in better places and and in a better condition than when they first arrived. How God made the sheep to eat the grass, to digest the grass and to relieve itself of that grass actually helped the land get better. Can that be said of you, Christian, in the room? That you leave situations better than they were before you got there? That someone else would say of you, surely goodness and mercy is following that person. They're taking care of things. As Christians, we have the job to make things better for those around us. Because we've been given those things. When we understand the grace and the goodness that God's given us, surely we'll give those same things to someone else because we've experienced them. And in the last little bit of line, David says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this is the kind of forever that's better than your middle school crush that you said you would love forever. This is a forever of a king who experienced all kinds of stuff. And he said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's finishing here in in verse six, what he started with in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd and I want to spend forever with him. Do you say the same thing? In John 10, 10, it says the sheep, I know my sheep and they know me. One of the worst things we'd want to happen today is you to get a couple little chuckles out of a video and hear some verses about what really sheep are and not be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He knows, I know the shepherd and he knows me. We want each and every one of you in this room to have a relationship with Jesus because we really think he is a good shepherd. He's the best at it. He wants to take care of his children. He wants to take care of his sheep. And so if you haven't started a relationship with Jesus, my prayer is that you would do that today. After the service is over, there'll be people, there'll be uh, counselors and there'll be volunteers at the, at the big wooden wall. More than welcome to come talk to me after the service is over. I'd love to help you understand that. But we have a good shepherd. When we know who we are and we see who he is, man, we know how good he is to us, that he laid down his life for us. So to finish up today, I'm just gonna read these verses all back over to you as we pray. So what I'd love for you to do is just to close your eyes. 
And maybe if one of these verses stands out to you, maybe if one of these verses is like, that's the verse that I needed today. Man, you get with God in this moment and you talk to God and tell him exactly what's going on with you and you can be this, uh, be in relationship with him. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you that you willingly laid down your life for ours. That God, we can have eternal life through you. And not just eternal life, which is amazing and great and what we what it will be the best thing for eternity. But you also want to walk with us and guide us and direct us today and in this life. And you want to be in that constant relationship where we know we have a good shepherd. God, thank you for being our good shepherd. And surely as goodness and mercy have followed us, God, that you would allow it to impact those around us that people will see us as Christians giving the same grace and the same mercy that you've given us. So God, help us today. If there's something we're wanting, if there's something that's keeping us restless, God, help us, correct us, teach us, guide us, show us exactly what you want to do in our lives, that we see you are the good shepherd. We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.